Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the final hour is here. Monday edition, OutKick 360. We started with the news from earlier today, uh, quarterback news in the NFL. Matt Ryan benched in Indianapolis as he gets back to Indy after their second loss to the Titans in the month of October. Indy gets back home and decides they're moving on to Sam Ellinger. Now, he's also going to be on the injury report. Ryan, a second-degree shoulder separation, I believe, is what I was reading. I think that's right. And they've made it clear, Frank Wright made it clear that, uh, and through other reporters, that – the plan is for Sam Ellinger to be the starter starting today through the rest of the season. Like it's not a injury, so we're gonna we're gonna try this. And they've got Nick Foles. That's also the odd thing here, isn't it? They have Nick Foles. Well, here's the big who, thing. Look like the Frank, best right? backup in the league. I think one Sam Ellinger can move. I don't think Nick Foles can okay. move, and That's so fair. Nick Foles is the same yeah, problem I mean, as Matt Ryan behind him. Was an yeah. And in the preseason, Ellinger ran it a lot. So, or I say a lot. I, I mean, can't remember a time though where I've seen a report or an announcement or anything that says <laughs> this person is benched for the season, and we're going with this guy for the rest. It's Sam Ellinger's going to start well, on Sunday in their next game. Not he's going to be the guy the rest of the way. Well, they want to give him every entire support throw the entire support of the organization well, you're starting him. him i mean that's that's the support i'm going to give him every support but this is also a white flag to me yeah they want a better draft pick it's how can you not look at it that way you just skipped over your backup and went to sam ellinger and, and look he was great in the preseason right like he was he was a preseason storyline and they still i mean they kept three but their biggest issue, they, they still refuse to be a run-first team. And you can look at the numbers and say they can't run the football, and that, that, that can be half the problem. It's tough to run the football when Jonathan Taylor gets 10 carries in a game. Well, I think this game two weeks ago against the Jaguars where they had to throw it because both of their backs, Hines and Taylor, were out, and they had great success. They didn't win the game by a lot, but they didn't get Ryan sacked. And completed right. what the forty well, they seven of yeah. fifty eight passes yes. or something yep. uh, gave them confidence to to do I what said, they did. Also, I said last Taylor week, hasn't had good success running against the Titans, so I could understand not emphasizing it heavily. But if if all you're going to do is throw dump offs and short stuff, it's right. the same difference as running it. I think it, look, right. you're not a deep throwing team. I understand that against the Tennessee Titans, you have to take some cracks. Right And look, the protection was poor generally. There are a couple plays where you've got to throw it up against Tennessee. They, their, their big plays were 20, 14, 14, 14. Against the Tennessee Titans who give up deep balls constantly, you've got to find a way to incorporate some chances. Uh, and, and they didn't. They didn't try, uh, which was, was terrible planning. Another strike against Reich. I, strike I will, against Reich. Tomorrow morning on the, the Fox News rundown, this is my topic, um, 
we and rightfully so, we should give a lot of praise to the teams that traded for the wide receivers this offseason. Yeah, quarterback I, I has been the opposite. Quarterback week. has been the opposite. The Broncos, they gave up the farm for Russell Wilson. They're two and five. Seahawks look really smart. Commanders, they you know they I don't I can't remember what they traded. It was a third round pick, second second round pick for Carson Wentz. This is criminal. Um, they are three and four on the season. And he's on the shelf. And yeah, and they won with their backup. <laughs> Again. Who was their starter last laughable. year? Laughable. The Colts trade for Matt Ryan. He's been benched after week seven. Baker Mayfield was a, a tragic failure in Carolina. You know, uh, it's, it has not panned out the same way trading for the quarterbacks. Good point. And, and, and the one that was, should be a lock was Russell Wilson. And I don't see that getting any better. I know. I don't either. And, I mean, we were all making fun. We all owe a big apology to Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Even yeah. if Geno Smith falls back to earth into the place that we want. Even if, the, even if they were terrible this year, Geno Smith was terrible, as we all presume. They knew what they were doing with Russell Wilson, it appears. Because I don't, uh, Chad, I don't know if you're with us. We're not expecting a Russell Wilson bounce no, back. I know he does. Okay, so if no. Russell Wilson's done. That would mean Hackett's going to bounce back. They, saw, they saw it coming. Yeah. And they got a, a, a load of picks in exchange for something they anticipated. And that is a big-time skill, the, knowing that a guy is about to bottom out and getting value for well, him. The, that was brilliant. The failure that is Russell Wilson this year in the Broncos, it, it's, it's double-sided. It's the failure of the Broncos and Wilson in that offense combined with Nathaniel Hackett. But on the other side of it is the success of Geno Smith. And yeah, they, they we, we said it all offseason. Man, what is Pete Carroll smoking? Because everybody should get some of that. If he thinks this team's going to be good and they're going to be fine at quarterback. And remember when he said, I like our options right now, Geno Smith and, and Drew Locke. And we're thinking, come on, dude. This is going to be terrible. You're going for a high draft pick. You'll get your quarterback next year. And they're good. Now, I do think how much of that was them just being optimistic about the season and how much of this really surprises them, too? They they have have to be pleasantly surprised. I don't think this was the expectation, even though they were talking about it like it's the expectation. They were optimistic, but this is a a huge surprise. We saw him for, was it three or four games last year when Wilson missed for the first time in his decade-long career? Oh, he's throwing picks? I mean, it it was not good. He looked like a most uh, backups average, look. Average, yeah. He'd be an average quarterback today based on last year. Um, this is far and away surpassing anything like that. Yeah. He's dealing. And it's, it's terrific. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, they they got they've got a, a run game with Kenneth Walker the third now. They got a nice haul to trade away their franchise quarterback for years that won them a Super Bowl, and they got better immediately. Yeah. This is not a long-term thing. They it's, it's, they're going to be better in the long term with what they got, but they got better immediately. They can win their division, as crazy as that sounds. And getting better immediately tells you like they, that so, Russell Wilson not only was declining, but he's poison. With Wilson? Yeah, he's poison. So, so getting rid of him, but also knowing when to get rid going back on that theme, I, if I'm a general manager in the NFL, I'm not doing business with the Atlanta Falcons. No, they Terry Fontenot and Arthur steals. Smith. If they're trying it's to like trade Belichick with you, now. GTFO, get out of there because you're about to be sold fool's gold. We saw it last year with Julio Jones where you trade a second-round pick for him. They were willing to eat the salary. They're willing to trade. They tried to trade for Deshaun Watson, missed out, and ultimately that led to them trading Matt Ryan. But 
the, the, the book was in on him too. They were willing to pay and eat most of the salary there on their salary cap to get him to Indy. And he's riding the bench now as we go into week eight. And all of a sudden, the Falcons, while they, they, can't, stop the, they can't stop the pass defensively, they can hold their own with their run game. And they will be a competitive team in the NFC through the end of the season. It's a slow build. Hey, going back to the Seahawks, how about this stat? This is from CBS Sports. Seahawks rookie running back Kenneth Walker III has more rushing yards this season than Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara, and Najee Harris. And he didn't start until week three or yep. four. No, oh, Rashad Penny was at the front of the line. That That's remarkable. He's doing – I mean, he's – They've got some punch to them through their rookie class. And I mentioned last week, and, and rightfully so, we're giving a lot of praise to the Jets. Brees Hall, I've got a number on him too with what they average with him without him. Um, he's done for the year. Sauce Gardner continues. His, his numbers that will be in my column this week, and I pulled these, so just while we're discussing the Jets before I mention what the Seahawks are doing. The Gardner against the Broncos, 50 snaps, they threw the football his way 10 times. He had three pass breakups, and he allowed only 16 yards receiving. Terrific. I mean, that is – that's a, num- a true number one lockdown corner. That was, that's Richard Sherman in his height with Seattle-type numbers. That's, he's been terrific. And whenever he was on Cortland Sutton, they threw the ball Cortland Sutton's way three times, no catches, three forced incompletions. So all of his pass breakups came against Cortland Sutton in that game. Are those receivers like I mean, we can't judge the 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 Denver receivers that were part of the appeal of Denver. We can't judge anymore because they don't have a quarterback who's now out with a hamstring. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff's in in pause mode evaluation. Well, I mean, they weren't doing anything to begin the year either right. with him. No, I'm, I'm not saying because of the hamstring. I'm saying oh, oh, with yeah. Russell Wilson, we don't know what Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy are anymore. Yeah. Uh, top five NFL passing Hammer. yards per attempt for quarterbacks. I was surprised by this. Number five is Mac Jones. That's passing yards right per attempt. Game. Number five is Mac Jones. Number four is Jalen Hurts. That makes sense. The next two make a ton of sense. Patrick Mahomes is three. Josh Allen is number two, and number one is Tua Tungavailoa. Mr. Checkdown, accuracy. He is averaging more yards per attempt than any quarterback in the NFL today. It's Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel and Tyreek Hill. Because that was, I mean, that, that was Miami's offense was Checkdown he's turn. getting rid of it quick, and it's usually going uh, lateral and not horizontal with the passing game. So are you guys, uh, would you guys say, if, and I think we agreed earlier, the Bengals are the third best team in the AFC right now? Yes. Where is Baltimore and where is Miami now stacking up? I still don't, don't feel, I, I mean, we, I, know, we've I, seen, I know the Ravens beat uh, Cleveland yesterday, yeah. close game. I, I just feel like Miami is more new and on the upswing, and the Ravens still are... I, I feel like Lamar's a little bit too up and down, and I don't really believe in yeah. their defense against good teams. They, they I, have I given up big Miami. leads three times this year in their losses. They're four and three, and their three losses, they have held the lead double digits and allowed the other team to come back and then had a chance to win it, and Lamar's turned the football over. That didn't happen yesterday. Just 
to your point. You know, and I might have given the Jets, if, if they didn't just suffer these two injuries, I might have given the Jets some, some room in that conversation. I, I think those two injuries are really killer. Where would you put them? Uh, Miami or Baltimore next, behind Cincy? I would go Miami, but... With Tua now. Yeah, but also, that's under me assuming that he's going to stay healthy yeah, the rest yeah, of the way. Yeah, we always but all things equal, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would go... If their starting quarterback's playing, I like Miami quite a bit more, honestly, right now than Baltimore. And you that came shocks into the me. season liking Baltimore oh, a lot yeah. more than I did. That's, that shocks me at this point. From their what I've seen... Is, that's what surprises me. Yeah, they're not what themselves. Did, what did Wink Martindale want that he didn't get? He gave, he gave up 41 yards on average every time they played the Bengals last year. Yeah. That was one thing. And they gave up a ton of points. 41 points, you mean? Per game. Yeah. To the he, Bengals. He was the scapegoat for, for uh, a, a bad year that was really mostly about injuries, but also oh. those, those I, Be two careful losses. what you wish for with him not being there. Yeah, now. well, you know who they hired, too. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but it's his brother's buddy from Michigan. Yes. Who he, who he replaced Martindale with. And they did fine Johnson yesterday. Johnson or Jackson. Uh, they, they did fine yesterday. Yeah, no. I, I don't think Cleveland's very good either. I mean, they, they gave us some cause for hope early that looked like they were competitive. But they, Mike they're McDonald not, is the D.C. Yeah. And they, they are – Cleveland, there's a lot of discord in, in Cleveland. People but, are, are upset, and there's some infighting going on. Mary Kay Cabot's been, been – In what regard? Them. I mean, Brissett had his best game as a starter yesterday, as funny as that sounds, 20 points. I think it's actually maybe on the defensive side of the ball, but I, I'm not as read up on it as I should be. We'll, well get into it later this week. Miles Garrett is, is back. I mean, he had a really good game last week. Um, you know, they're just trying to keep their head above water – before Deshaun Watson is able to play, right? They they are looking to be in striking distance of the seventh seed. That's the goal. Yeah, get to the postseason and have a team that can run the football, which they can run the football, and have Deshaun Watson heavily involved in your offense with Amari Cooper and your your passing offense, Donovan Peoples Jones, whoever else, and be able to go on the road in the postseason and potentially win a game. And maybe I shouldn't be so dismissive of them at this stage because, quite frankly, and I know we're going to have to eliminate somebody. What do we do that on Wednesday? But, um, you I, know, look, we're having trouble getting five deep in the AFC, which we all thought was going to be eight deep, right. or nine deep. Um, They're going to... There, there is room for two or three teams to catch fire right now and really establish themselves in the AFC after, I'll say after Cincinnati, but you could say Cincinnati on. And I, yeah, I we're, think, getting, uh, we're granting Buffalo and Kansas City elite stats. The, the Browns, they were a game out of first place in their division entering week seven. Now, of course, that's, that's done with, with Baltimore's win. Point being, Cincinnati also wins, but point being, like, they are looking at this, it just, let's just stay afloat. Let's not sink yep. to the bottom. Injuries can derail you. Infighting can derail you. But there will be some energy come week 13 whenever uh, we, we see because that's coming off a bye uh, week 13 whenever they travel down to Houston. You don't hear much infighting anymore. No. Like most teams, even if they crumble and the culture's bad, you don't hear it's infighting. Who was the running back with Seattle? Michael Robinson? Yeah. Who's running back with Seattle? Yeah, the fullback. So he was on NFL Network. He's good. And I saw the clip of him on NFL Network talking about, speaking of infighting, saying that just watch in Denver. That's that's going to fall Oh, that was a great quote. So that's going to fall apart. He said, you got a lot of guys in that locker room who are going to be looking around saying, Russell got paid. 
and he's not doing anything. This offense is terrible. Defense is doing all they can. They're good. And Russell's you up got, there saying just, uh, just the saying, slogan. Yeah, you know, optimistic things. The coach seems like he's got his head in la-la land about the team. He said that's something that could fall apart at the seams quickly. Yeah, he was, that was a very that good With that locker quote. room. What about Indianapolis? I think, I mean, I think they hold together because Reich and Ballard have the same spell over the locker room that they have over the national media. I don't know. Like, hey, no, like standing in front of the fire, like, will the crowd please disperse? There's nothing to see here from, uh, so you know. The I, I bring it up because naked gun. they're hosting Washington this week. That, in oh, theory. The Wentz story would have been so good if yeah, he was healthy. But it's Sam Ellinger now against Taylor Heineke. Marquee NFL quarterback Again, matchups. Who knows? Then they're on the road against New England. They will then go to Vegas to take on the Raiders. And then they're hosting the Eagles. That's a, I mean, it's not a gauntlet, but it's, I mean, I'm, They'll get destroyed I'm, by I'm, New England I'm comparing the Colts to these teams, not, you know, some of the yeah. division leaders to these teams. Yeah. And they've they'll already lost to Jacksonville and Houston. They'll this get year. destroyed by New England and by Philadelphia, I think. I mean, they're it's, just. But I, I think the Colts are, given the bottom, I think the Colts are, you know, a tick below average. Um, I don't. I don't think they're, you know, going to be down there with the Commanders and the and the or, or with the Panthers and the and the Texans. I think they'll draft around twelfth. Do you think that Ursay pulls the trigger on Reich at any point I this season? Know. I think he does. He should. I think he should. I don't know if it's going to be in Maybe season, it's on Ellinger. It'll, it'll Maybe happen. it's on how Ellinger plays. I think plays. this is the year it's over. It can't be on how Ellinger plays. It's got to be on how Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan play. Well, it if, it was, if it was, Ellinger he'd be firing him today. Yeah, Because unless, his verdict's in on Ryan. Unless you're just not going to do it in season. But I, I, I hear you. Like it, he would do it today because it's two losses to the Titans. But And another quarterback. I, I'm sorry, pulled. but these, you know, I, I hate changing the direction and all of a sudden changing the tune on what has been the ex- expectation and goal. And now it's like, oh, let's see what Frank Wright does with Sam Ellinger. Oh, that's what bad teams do, though, right? They change and they recreate it, the, it's hope, not, the, the, the hope cycle. Well, that's fine. Fans can think that way. I, I don't think Jim Irsay is thinking that way right now. I don't think anything Sam Ellinger does is going to save Frank Reich's job. Although, but Paul, also, I don't see him being a guy. Not, I don't think he's going to get fired midseason. I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying you're way off either because. You think they're going to rally? I mean, it, it, I guess conceivably they could rally around Sam Ellinger and do something, but I don't, I don't see that happening. Well, the only reason they can rally behind Sam Ellinger, who I don't think is any good, but he's dramatically different in his ability to move. So it could bail out the offensive line some. So let's see what happens. And, and maybe Ursay's thinking that. Let's, let's give a little, get a little taste of it. And now they're forced to go through the run. Yes. Which no choice. Which yeah. should help them. But to to what Paul's saying too, like had you told me preseason the Colts would lose twice to the Colts, the tie the Texans and lose to Jacksonville. And Ursay was going to call a meeting last night to bench with Matt the Ryan. GM and head coach. I would have told you they were getting rid of Frank Wright, not Matt Ryan. Yeah. And or both. It's the opposite. So is Matt Ryan done? I would assume so. Back, I mean, up, I, back up somewhere. Back up? Next year, backing up somewhere. And uh, you, you know, see the money? If you have a good offensive line, he's not a bad two-game guy to, to spell. 
your quarterback if you've got a good offensive line. What but a, he could go to he could go to Philadelphia and be a good backup for Jalen Hurts because they have a good offensive line, right? But he cannot go somewhere where they have a bad offensive line. So he's a limited backup. But I think he could win you a couple of games in a pinch. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he looked like Ben Roethlisberger looked last oh, he year. He looked terrible. You know? um, so here's, here's the money for Matt Ryan, Chad. You ready? For this trade when it went down. Yep. Matt Ryan. Contract adjustment. This is from Ian Rappaport. So when, he, when they traded, they adjusted his contract. $24.7 million this year, fully guaranteed. $12 million was fully guaranteed in 2023. Plus an additional $17.2 that is guaranteed for injury. That becomes fully guaranteed the third day of the 2023 league year. So they got to cut him and swallow $12 million of dead yes. money next year. Based on that. And essentially, more than half of this season. Yeah, and this time, just, you can't a trade paid. No one's trading for that. No. no like no, they no, did no, with no. Wentz. No. He'll be a, a $4 million backup. Andrew Luck in 2018, $18 million. Jacoby Brissett in 2019, $14 million. Man, they can pay some quarters. And Luck also got $12 million on the books that year. Uh, 2020, Phillip Rivers, $25 million. Jacoby Brissett, $15 million backup. Outrageous. 2021, Carson Wentz, $21.3 million. And this year, Matt Ryan, 24.7, and Nick Foles is 2.6. Sam Ellinger is making 825000 <laughs> That's more like And he starts at, week eight. At this rate, next year, they'll pay Derek Carr $29 million. <laughs> If the escalation for Colts quarterbacks goes that way, that, that's the guy that's going to get paid next I'm year. I'm not – look, I have no sympathy for the Colts. Colts had 13 years of Peyton Manning. They had six Where years, is Dockage? Six years of Andrew Luck. DYB Dockage. Yeah, but um, the the hole that he left for them when he walked out in 2019. Yeah, but you can't use that now. No, you can't use that now. But I mean, it's just been an unsolvable problem for them that they had no way of knowing was coming. And um, it, it, you That's know, how if, they if got you're here, anti-Colts, but... you love it. You know, Titans fans, you have every reason to continue to celebrate this after you suffered for 19 years of excellent quarterback play for them. College discussion, when we return, we'll go across the, the big games from this past weekend, uh, even outside of the SEC, and discuss how it affects the college football playoff, but also some of the bigger matchups now on the horizon based on weekend results. That's next, so now kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Now, kick 360 rolls on. This from Front Office Sports. Magic Johnson is looking to... Let me get this right. He's exploring. That's how they're phrasing this. Exploring options of purchasing a minority stake in the Las Vegas Raiders. That would be some big news from 
a Mark Davis solely owned team that's currently valued at $5.1 billion. Well, it's bigger than the imaginary uh, stake in the imaginary uh, Las Vegas basketball team. Well, that, yeah. that's not magic. That's, that's LeBron. LeBron. LeBron's the yeah. one who came out and said, I want that team. <laughs> Vegas needs an NBA team, and I want to own it. Uh, the potential sale comes as Raiders owner Mark Davis received an undisclosed offer in August for a stake in the team. Now Johnson is putting together a group of investors to make their own bid. Uh, More power to that, that That just, I, to me, that's interesting just given the fact that the Davis name, you know, we talk about powerful owners. The powerful owners well, why are would, sole why owners. Would, why would he want anyone to have a minority stake? Yeah, I would say, I would I say still if he needed if a minority the, stake, he would have needed it before the move yeah, to, and get to help to Vegas. get to the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Once you have true. the stadium and you're bringing in the stadium money, you should be all right. I mean, unless but he like, Mark, I, I Davis think Mark Davis just really, really likes Magic Johnson yeah. and wants him to be a part of the Raiders' ownership, why would he offer any minority ownership stake? Did he say anything stake? about how small a minority no, stake? No, no. Just a stake is all it said. Is it just to, to No matter how small, it's connect a the big name? amount of money. No, it's, it's huge. It, it's huge. I just don't understand the motivation of Mark Davis in, that, in this part of it. Me neither. Two quick injury updates up. Evan Neal for the Giants expected to miss three to four weeks with an MCL. Just updating that officially. And uh, Brees Hall out for the year. Here's the numbers I was alluding to. When Hall is on the field um, for the Jets, the Jets average 5.6 yards per rush. That would be tops in the league. With him on the sideline, they average 3.6, 29th in the league. Jets are at a crossroads now with their injury stuff. And if you missed part of our show, we discussed and compared it to some run games last year. Like here in Nashville, Derrick Henry got hurt. The run game kept going. Can, can the Jets keep that part going while they wait on Zach Wilson to come to life? Um, across college football, big takeaways. Uh, Clemson survives. They remain unbeaten, Chad. That also, I've got uh, a big one for you. Okay. TCU beating Kansas State. Uh, the way they did. TCU's a real problem now because Texas looks a little bit fraudulent once again, got some talent, uh, but they go down to Oklahoma State, a game they led by 10 in the second half. TCU's got Texas. They've got Baylor left on the schedule. A real shot, though, for Sonny Dykes in year one, taking over a 5-7 and seven team to go undefeated and win the Big 12. And it's, had- not a, it's not an SEC schedule, but what they've done is they've handed Oklahoma State and Kansas their first losses. And then with Kansas State, they were down 17 points. And they come back to win that game. TCU down two touchdowns last week. So the way they're winning and overcoming some adversity in some really I mean, emotional and, and uh, uh, stressful situations at the double overtime game, for instance, that it's, they're catching people's attention because of how they're winning games late. How bad a scenario is it? You get TCU and Clemson undefeated. And then you're going to have a one-loss, maybe two teams out of the SEC who are or Michigan, Ohio worthy, State, the loser of that, game. or the loser of Michigan, Ohio State, who are going to be kept out despite the fact that head-to-head against TCU and or Clemson, they'd be significant favorites, and all of America would think, outside of their own fan bases, that these teams are better, and we would be. Stuck lamenting and longing for the 12-team playoff. 
Well, look, that's the. Re- I mean, that's how that's that's the game that's played. I mean, it's, yeah, but how have we seen it that if bad? You, if you really want to go, we've seen it with one team every out. Game. You know, that's know, what they're going to come back and say. But we've seen it with one team out where we're lamenting it. We're going to see it now potentially with like three teams out. I don't know because I'm a big proponent of. It's not about what I think is better. It's about what you've done on your schedule. And if TCU goes undefeated and then wins a Big 12 championship game and they're Big 12 champs and Clemson goes undefeated and wins the ace, then they've earned it. Yeah. They've gone undefeated and won their, won their conference. I mean, I know what you're saying. I Paul, agree with you, but would, during those semifinal rather, blowouts, I'm not going to be happy. Well, I'd much rather see from a play standpoint, let's say an Alabama or a Tennessee or some one-loss SEC team or even one-loss Michigan ahead of those two teams possibly, but – it's not about what I think would happen or what the Vegas line would be or it's about what you've done. Yeah, I agree. But it makes me interested in rooting for upsets of TCU and of Clemson. Yeah, it's also, uh, it, Davey points out, it's, it's a great situation for those who have been shouting about expansion, which are the main, you know, the big conference commissioners too. But where you've, if you have, if you end up with blowouts again, and you have these one-loss teams that we know would be more competitive. That's that's what. Uh, by the way, Tuesday, November first is a a big day in sports because it's the trade deadline day and for the, the NFL, playoff and we get rankings. our first college football playoff well, rankings that night. Tennessee needs to take care of business uh, Saturday. That to me, this is the biggest hurdle. Georgia, obviously, everyone knows that Go they circled it. It's going to be on three thirty Eastern on CBS, but Kentucky. Do not sleep on Kentucky. They've got a very good defense. Mm-hmm. They've got a very good special teams unit. I think their offense has been pretty overrated most of this year. But if Will Levis is having a good game, that that could be a shootout for Tennessee with their secondary it's pop, against yeah. Kentucky. It was a shootout a year ago in Lexington. And look, I, I don't I try not to play the motivation game. Tennessee should absolutely not be looking ahead to Georgia. I don't think they're going to be doing that. But this is all Kentucky's looking to now. You're better than Kentucky. They, lost, Kentucky. they lost to South Carolina. Paul, teams that are better than other teams lose all the time well, in sports. My but point is, not lose this, this is it for Kentucky. This is their Super Bowl, their college football playoff, everything wrapped into one. A chance to hurt Tennessee season badly yeah. and beat a team even in their best years, they have a hard time beating when Tennessee's in their worst years. So there's a lot on the line in go, this game. Go beat them. Uh, TCU, by the way, remaining schedule at West Virginia, Texas Tech at home. Texas Tech's good. At Texas, at Baylor, at home against Iowa State. Yeah, so no top 25 opponents. Three of their next four are on the road, and no top 25 opponents since Texas has now dropped out. Meanwhile, Tennessee, with the schedule they've already played, which has been brutal, still has, as of today, three top 25 teams left to go. Kentucky, at Georgia, and now South Carolina, who's in at 25. They go to South Carolina in November. And then Missouri and Vandy. Oklahoma State, by the way, 41. Texas, 34. The most amazing thing about that game, if you're watching the game in the background, it's a scroll at the bottom that you're paying attention to. The teams trade points in the first half as there were 55 total points scored with Texas leading by a seven-point margin at halftime. Like, it's just... It was... It felt like this was going to be a shootout, and then the second half, Texas and Oklahoma State, they scored 17 points. It was crazy in the first half and dull over the final 
two quarters. Mike Gundy, uh, his record as an underdog is unbelievable at Oklahoma State. I, I saw the tweet, and I don't have the exact record, but it is far and away better than anyone else in college football. What he does when his team is not favored to win. Terrific program at Oklahoma State. It's such a hard program to define. Yeah. And that you don't really I mean, try to find them in the recruiting rankings every year and where they rank, but yet they continue to churn out consistent winners under Mike Gundy. Uh, really good coach. But yeah, I, I'm watching TCU now with the games they have left on the schedule. Uh, that's a fun team to watch. And uh, Sonny Dykes has done one heck of a job in year number one. I'm, a guy who's not doing a great job in year number five is Jimbo Fisher. And um, I'm watching a lot of that game on Saturday night. That, that offense is atrocious, and there's nothing A&M can do. There is nothing they can do. $86 million contract. They are not going to fire him. They have to hope that he makes good decisions. I mean, that, that's it. This season is lost. They have to hope that this offseason – he self-evaluates and makes good decisions because they're not, they're not going to have that much dead money in what they're going to pay Jimbo Fisher. Keep in mind, and I, I'm with you. They, they're making nine million. He's making nine million a year, and the buyout's insane. Losing to South Carolina has affected some good coaches in the past. Philip Fulmer lost to South Carolina, lost his job. Um, Butch Jones, that was the start of the downfall in 2016 when they lost to South Dan, Carolina after a bye week. Dan Mullen last year lost to South Carolina, and he was out. Um, I'm not saying that's happening to Jimbo Fisher, but it is a this is a wake-up call for all of those that are saying, hey, uh, Texas A&M is the third-best team in the SEC. And the talk around the program for year five, they, it sounds like he's in year one. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's crazy. How does that offensive line stay so young? I mean, every year yeah. there's an excuse about the offensive line is young. Well, how about playing older players or keeping guys in your program long enough to develop them to where you're not talking about a young offensive line as a crutch every year? The offense, the design of the offense is bad. Quarterback play is not good. Did we see the? It's a bad, did it's you a guys see the freshman quarterback? How did he look? Honestly. A lot like Haynes King. I mean, it I felt there, the same. There's nothing physically impressive about what I saw from the five star. It's just, it's a lot more of the same. It's not going to get any better this year. There's nothing you do now. We're into late October. That offense is atrocious. It will remain atrocious the rest of the way. They got to hope to win those three games I mentioned earlier Florida, um, UMass, and Auburn. If they do that, they get bowl eligible. But I mean, that's all they can really play for at this point, is just not to have the bottom completely fall out this season and hope you get to the offseason and all the money you're paying your recruiting class this year, those checks keep coming in and they stay there and stay happy. And then you can somehow, Jimbo Fisher has the revelation that he can't call plays anymore. He can't be the offensive coordinator. If they do that and they bring in the right, uh, Davey Hudson had mentioned a name, Kendall Bryles. If they could hire Kendall Bryles away from Arkansas the same way they hired DJ Durkin away from Ole Miss, let's say, from an SEC West rival. You can fix your problems in one year. You really can. They're going to have enough talent where they could be really good next year. It just takes fixing the offense. And that's what's holding them back. And there's no way Jimbo Fisher doesn't do something to enact momentum offensively, right? Like, the, well, if he doesn't, he's then he's, he is just committed to his own ego. Yeah, but I mean... He's that, just it's a refusal to admit that I'm wrong about anything. But then at that point, I think you have to just pony up and pay the dude to leave. 
if that's the case. Well, I mean, I guess you give it one more year and then uh, reduce that buyout a little bit more, and then you pay him to leave. Um, Ohio State pounds Iowa 54-10 to was the final there. Iowa's offense is what we – I mean, we know it's bad. It's really bad. They're one of 13 in that game on third down. Ohio State's really good. Ohio State's great. C.J. Stroud played the entire game in a blowout. Iowa's offense is on pace. There's now the argument that is this the worst Power 5 offense in the last 50 years of college football? That's how bad they are statistically. Do you know who their offensive coordinator is, by the way? No. Kurt Ferentz's son. Oh, I was going to say that. You want to talk about a difficult situation? Jimbo Fisher firing himself, and now Kurt Ferentz might have to fire his son. think, Think about this, too. They average 2.2 yards per run against Ohio State, and their pass game is so bad that they chose to run it 35 times. <laughs> Did you see the attempted fake punt by the Iowa punter? I saw the replay of that early yeah. on. A lot I mean, of the people whole were saying thing is laughable. There was, a, a, I think, Dave Ubbin tweeted. There's a here's a note for all punters: if it's a if it's a, a play where it's not designed, but you have the option to run and fake it if you see something. If it takes you multiple seconds to figure out whether to, to go do or, it not, or not, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Always punt. If it's a two count and you're still thinking about it, punt the ball away because this guy just was creeping towards the line thinking, I might have this, I might have it. And by the time he started to run, he was so indecisive on whether to run, he just gets laid out and had no chance of picking up the first down. Iowa's only terrible. touchdown, by the way, is a scoop and score. Uh, their defense is still really good, and I'm saying that knowing that they got beat by 44. <laughs> you know, They're still really good defensively. I, I think Ohio State's just that good. Uh, Iowa, they've now scored 30 points in their last three games. They've scored just 37 points in their four losses this season. Is he just there for life? Who? Parents? I think so. I don't think he's in danger. I think his son should be in danger. Yeah. At least getting demoted where he can't call plays. And now here's the real test. Ohio State, Penn State. And I know Penn State got housed earlier uh, last week, but they rebound. They beat Minnesota. They handled Minnesota at home. Uh, 45-17 was the final. So, big noon kickoff this Saturday. Yeah, I feel bad for having ever thought Minnesota was good this year. Uh, after that blowout win at Michigan State, I'm thinking, man, this is the sleeper team. Once their schedule got tough, they have been abysmal. And they have not been close to some and of you, these teams. you mentioned Kentucky and it being their Super Bowl. Penn State hosting Ohio State. Yeah, that's, that's the Super Bowl, Bowl, especially after what happened for them at the big house at Michigan. This, yeah. this is their season. And also, Ohio State... You know, trying to not let happen what happened last year to them in the Big Ten. Keep this in mind, too. Sandy Barber was the AD who signed James Franklin to that 10-year extension, I believe, when he was flirting a little bit with Tennessee and Danny White that offseason before they hired Josh Heupel. Um, He's another guy with a contract that's going to be tough to get rid of. If you wanted to move on, um, not that James Franklin's doing a bad job, but they are going to, if they get blown out by Ohio State, they are going to have to sit around and think, are we ever going to really compete? For Big Ten or national right. championships, right? Very much. Right. Third Other James Franklin, best and it's a distant Ten. third, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you're right. At best, third, but even when they're third, it feels feel like close. they're not really closing the gap at all. And that's an with example, Ohio State or Michigan now. That's an example of where the, the 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 competition for the SEC is really cranked up a notch for me. Even in the middle in the middle part of the SEC, the back and forth with LSU taking care of Ole Miss and. Florida, but you've got Kentucky, who's able to take care of Florida, but Ole Miss beats Kentucky. The third best team in the Big Ten is not beating Ohio State or Michigan. Meanwhile, Tennessee is going to hang with them. 
right? I already like, beat one of them. So, so yeah, right. Top four <laughs> offenses in all of college football by points. We go by points and not yards on this. Number one is Tennessee. Think about this college football playoff. Number one is Tennessee. Number two is Ohio State. Tennessee averages over 50 points per game. Two is Ohio State. Three, TCU. Yeah. Four, Oklahoma State. And then right behind them, five, Alabama, six, Michigan. There's no mistaking who's the best in college football. Go look at the top offenses. These are the preeminent teams this year in college football. Got to score points, Jimbo. Got to score points. Defense can get you far, but what we saw with Georgia a year ago is going to be the exception and not always the rule. And oh, by the way, Georgia's offense was really good last year too. They just had a generational defense that was the best in college football that's for not, many years. That's not what I heard about A&M. What I heard about A&M is you got to recruit. Recruit, recruit, recruit. And that they recruited out of their mind and they were going to be terrific. you got to start asking the question, too, if I'm A&M, um, what type of players are we getting to say yes to us over other places? The greatest players ever, I heard. Well, the same players that Nick Saban wants. They, they want them, but my, here's what I'm saying. The ones that say yes to Nick Saban, are they made of something different? as opposed to the high prospects that say yes to the money at A&M and not championships at Alabama. I don't know, but you got to fundamentally start asking the question about who are we bringing into the program, why are they saying yes over Alabama, and is it the right type of player? Well, but good. it starts with Jimbo well, Fisher. they're not being coached well on that's offense. Right. It's just, it's that's the right. Fundament. Let's they, start there. Let's see him coached well on Jimbo offense. It's Jimbo Fisher than quarterback. Yeah. You get those two things right, you're going to win because – Guys are going to take the paycheck wherever they end up. Well, their These defense guys, is the pretty good. The top players in the country getting recruited are going to get paid. If, if, this, if this offense could do anything, they would be close to delivering on expectation this year because yep. their defense isn't bad. By the way, uh, Kirk Ferentz, the only FBS coach to be hired in the 90s <laughs> that is still with his current team. Love that. Uh, he was hired in December of 1998. Second right now is Kyle Whittingham. He was uh, 2005, hired right? Right after uh, 2004. Yeah, right. New Year's, right around New right Year's. Right when uh, Urban Meyer left for Florida. That's it. So the end of the 04 season. It's been a while. Sounds like those two are very intertwined for you, Chad. That's a long time, too, in college football. You think about that? Think about Urban Meyer having that uh, year they went to a, a, a BCS Bowl at the time at Utah and how f- long that feels. Oh. From the time at Florida to his yeah. retirement because of his uh, heart condition. <laughs> To uh, his time with Ohio State and the Jags. And Kyle Whittingham has been in Salt Lake City the entire time. Keith Jackson and John Ward were on the call for the national championship that year. Yep. The same year that Kirk (laughs) got hired. Hired at Iowa. Yeah, he's got a lifetime contract. <laughs> if you didn't know, it's going to have know. to get really. It, it, it would have to be next year being almost worse offensively <laughs> than this year before be. they even considered him. You can't be. I think Kirk Ferentz would just retire. The same. Right before he got fired, wouldn't he just? I don't know. Maybe step away. Hey man, guys, I've lost my touch. I know this. Who knew that you couldn't run four tight ends at everyone if every I'm game? Dra- and if I'm drafting guys in the league on defense, I want Hawkeyes on my team. That's for sure. Well, in tight end, well, they've done a great end job yeah, tight end developing too. tight ends. Yeah. Uh, coming up, Monday Night Football. Our picks as the Patriots take on the Bears. Uh, we'll let you know uh, which way we're leaning there and the magnitude for this for New England, what it could mean in that division. That's next now, Kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Patriots, Bears, the Monday night matchup we've all been waiting for tonight. Oh, yeah. So, Patriots are favored by eight and a half. Which way are you going, Chad? The Bears to cover the eight and a half. This is going to be a miserable slog of a game. Davey Hudson, our meteorologist here in the studio, <laughs> says that the weather in, uh, in Foxborough tonight, not going to be pretty. I think the offense this game is not going to be pretty. But I like the Bears to, uh, to cover, and I, well, I like the under in this game. Double it. Double the spread. Uh, it's uh, – Absolute blowout Paul by the is Patriots. Anti Bears says that you can get. I am giving the eight and a half. Also the under. Uh, under. Um, uh, Chicago's not going to score any points. I don't think the Patriots will score many either, and that's why I'm going to outkick.com/bet to take the points. I think it's a very low-scoring game. Go figure. That's how the NFL's been. Patriots defense is what's going to win it. Um, I would like to have the eight and a half tonight, knowing that the weather's going to be miserable. And when the when the weather's bad, we know they don't want Mac Jones throwing the football. So it's going to be run, run, run by both teams, and New England's defense wins the game. But I'd like the eight and a half there. Also, Bill Belichick, fifty-six and twenty-five when he goes against a rookie head coach. Patriots Bricks are winning the game. Pulls ahead of Hallis tonight with the win. It'd be like twenty to. What three. a year to be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. How many of those guys just all of a sudden just just catch the offense? Back at it tomorrow. More football discussion on Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Please lock your locks.